going. Herod had already decided that, you know, it, it was in his own interests to have Peter killed. He was looking for popularity amongst the people. And in this passage, in Acts 12, we see one of the most wonderful and powerful miracles in the whole book. A great summary verse for this passage actually appears a little bit later. It says, So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. You see, when when the angel breaks Peter out with this incredible supernatural power, he's able to go to the prayer meeting and explain everything that's, that's happened. And it's a great example of the power of the church that he went back to, despite the fact that they couldn't believe that he was there. They'd prayed. How many of people have prayed and actually had an answer to prayer and then couldn't believe that it happened? Anybody? Just me? Yeah. <clears throat> so what I'd like us to do is look at some of the characteristics of that church because I think it would be really useful for us to get a hold of what that church looked like. The first thing that I'd like to talk about is that their prayers endured. You see, at the time of, of the writing of this uh, book, sorry, at the time of this episode that was written in the book, um, Judea was in a mess. There was a famine, there was a social and economic crisis, there was an economic crash, the Christians were under huge pressure, and also they were being persecuted really, really badly. They were in fear of their lives on a daily basis. So this praying church back then, it's not immune to all the pressures and problems of, of the society that they lived in, but they prayed anyway. Second point is that their prayers persisted. You see, this church actually encountered the mystery of unanswered prayer. Anybody got any of those? I've got a few of those. Pray for stuff. Can't see any reason why God wouldn't answer this prayer. Excuse me. It's a mystery, isn't it? Can't think of any reason why. why. Why wouldn't God answer that prayer? But sometimes it just is like that. Maybe we'll get to know one day. But the fact of the matter is we can pray and sometimes nothing happens. I don't think it's explicit in this text, but I'm pretty sure that the church would have been praying and fasting like anything for James, who was mentioned early on in this passage. I'm pretty sure they would have done. Why wouldn't they? And he was killed anyway. So, so they've experienced this. They've experienced this mystery. So anyway, Peter's arrested. After James has been arrested and killed, but the church still prayed. They persisted in prayer, despite the fact that the last time they did it, nothing happened. <clears throat> so there are a few things that could have happened that would have led them to be discouraged from praying. One, as I've just said, the unanswered prayer. The other is that time, time was running out, wasn't it? So it's now the last night before Peter is kind of uh, facing the inevitable. Time's running out. So they could have just maybe stopped praying. They could have thought maybe this is God's will because actually further back in the scripture, we have Jesus telling Peter, by the way, Peter, you are going to die a martyr's death. He tells him that. 
So this church could have, could have thought, ah, oh, Peter's been carted off, he's in jail, Herod's got him, he's probably going to kill him. Well, Jesus did mention this. So maybe we don't need to pray because it's obviously just what Jesus foretold. It's a prophecy and they could have been forgiven for not praying at all, couldn't they? Or they could have just said, you know, what's the point? There's no way. He's locked up in a maximum security prison with four squads of four guards and chains and all the rest of it. (laughs) What what are we going to do? Pray that he just walks out? Who's going to pray that? They prayed it. They prayed it, didn't they? Next point, prayers, prayers question things. So when you think about it, this church, and we've heard Jonas uses this phrase quite a lot, and I kind of love it really, that we're just a bunch of ordinary, broken, fragile people. Well, I am anyway, I don't know about the rest of you, but that's what we are. See, in these verses, we see a, a, a mighty church, actually, and they struggled, actually, to accept that their prayers had been answered. We see a, 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 just a group of ordinary people just struggling to do their faith walk together. Now, we, we often talk, don't we, about heroes of the faith. I mean, I've got heroes in my life of the faith, and, and um, Stuart and Irene Bell are heroes of mine. But let me tell you, they're not superheroes. They would be the first to tell you that. They're not superheroes. I don't believe there are any superheroes in the kingdom. Because God just uses ordinary people like you and me because it's all he's got. It's all he's got to work with. That's quite humbling for me to think, God, would you you use me? I'm not all that, you know. And God says, yeah, I'll use you. I'll use you. So we see in this church flawed, fragile people, but they were powerful in their prayer life, clearly powerful. I think it was John Wesley once said that God actually doesn't do anything except through prayer. So they got a hold of that before John Wesley did, clearly. Next point is that the, these prayers, they navigate. So they're, they're willing to step out and embrace changes that are going on. Anybody in the room likes change? Apart from Jared. (laughs) It's said, isn't it, you know, people don't like change. I guess it's, you know, we like to go with what we're comfortable with. We're just something about change that we're not attracted to. See, in this scripture, we don't actually know where Peter went. If you read on, we don't know what happened to him. The only time in the rest of the book he's mentioned is is in Acts 15. So what's going on here is that there's a lot of transition going on in this church. James moves up into leadership of this church in Jerusalem. We've got Mark leaving Jerusalem and he's becoming part of uh, Peter's missionary team. So there's a whole shake-up going on in the church there are leaders who are there one moment and they've gone the next. But they haven't just gone, oh my goodness, this is dreadful. You know, what, what's going on here? I thought we had it. We, I thought he was doing that and she was doing No, there was change going on. And these guys went with it. They navigated. 
this change. And I believe that's a word in season for us in this church today. <clears throat> a church that prays is always one that's willing to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, always. And be prepared to change, because if we're listening for his voice, then we need to be ready for when the Holy Spirit places something inside of us and says, you need to do something different. On that subject of navigation, anybody remember the story of the Titanic? Well, here we have have this great, unsinkable ocean liner. And off it goes on this trip. It strikes an iceberg and sinks. The thing is, it came to me that actually if it had struck an ice cube, no one would have even noticed, would they? An ice cube and an iceberg are kind of the same thing, aren't they? Except one thing. The ice cube floats on the top of the water, and most of it is kind of on on the surface. And if you hit it, it will just move. Whereas the iceberg has got a whole lot of it underneath the surface, in the depths. So what might look like a fairly reasonably sized lump of ice actually is a, a mountainous, hugely dangerous piece of frozen water. I think that God's interested in building the parts of us a bit like that iceberg. The parts that aren't seen, but are an integral part of who we are. I think he's interested in that. Because he knows that as we daily grow, and we should be daily growing, he invites us to grow daily. It's the unseen. It's who we are above the waves will naturally grow in proportion to what's going on underneath. So I believe God's got a real heart for us today in our church to grow us. But he needs to grow us in that part that's beneath the waves. And we'll talk about how we can do that a little bit later. When it comes to prayer, and that's the subject of this morning's talk, is there a part of your prayer life, for example, that's never heard or witnessed by other people? Reserved just for the audience of one. I've noticed that today there's, there seems to be a tendency in Christianity, in certain parts of Christianity, of being kind of performance-driven. And there's something a little bit kind of distasteful about it. Personal opinion, that's what it is. There are some of us that have become great at praying hugely eloquent public prayers. And, you know, I'm not saying that's complete, that's wrong. But I believe that God's interested in what's happening when it's just you and him. I do. So in a few minutes, I'm going to give us an opportunity to consider our individual prayer lives. And just think about, how am, I, how am I doing? Don't ask me, but there is one who you can ask. I believe the Holy Spirit will tell you how you're doing. I'll let you into a secret. In preparing this talk, he's told me 
and uh, it's a bit like the old school report, really. Kind of, okay, could do better. Let me just uh, pick up on another thing that I noticed about these prayers. They had trust, these guys. They had clearly a deep trust. They knew where the real power... I talked about Herod, hugely powerful, ruthlessly powerful family, dynasty. But actually, these guys knew where the real power was. They approached their father to help them by his Holy Spirit. It's funny, you know, because actually, this King Herod, who, who he wanted to, to destroy Christianity, he decided he, he didn't like it much. Um, and one day he dies, like we all will. But after he died, it's written, but the word of God increased and multiplied. It's just a little, almost like an aside in this scripture. I think, wow. I think the writer of Acts wants us to know where the real power lay then and now. Because the word says that God's the same today as he was ever and will be the same always. I'd like to just pop over to Luke's gospel. A lot of people say Luke wrote the book of Acts. But this is in his gospel, Luke 5. Jesus is in the boat with his disciples. They'd been fishing all night without success. He tells them, and I don't know how you were taught this, when, when you, those of you that have... Uh, been in church a while, but I always thought the scripture said, uh, Jesus said, let your nets down on the other side. Anybody else thought that? Just me. Okay. Um, actually, what's written, he says, let your nets down in the deeper water. That's what he said. You can check. And they pull up this mighty catch and it nearly sinks their boat. They have to get another boat to come and nearly sinks that boat. And, and you know, it struck me that actually all through Scripture there is stuff going on and there's always a reason for it to be here. So what was Jesus' point? Look at me, I'll tell you where the fish are. I don't think so. I don't think that at all. Everything he did shows what he was about. He was about his father's business. He was pointing to his father. I believe that he was showing them that our blessings aren't found in the shallows. I think that's what he was doing. They're not found in the shallows waters of faith. I think a lot of us, a lot of Christians come to know Jesus and we we can just remain in the shallows of it. We can just stay in the comfort of the familiar. We resist the change. We just want to just stay nice and cozy, come to church on a Sunday, maybe say a prayer before we eat and be nice to people. Some launch out a little further, but some never go to the deep. 
They might read the Bible, but just the surface narrative. This is not some attempt to put anybody on a guilt trip. I'm talking about me here. I've been here. They pray, but only in the shallow of prayer. They know God's love, but haven't really experienced that real, real depth of adoration that Father has for you. I want to issue an invitation this morning. I want to invite you to go deeper. To launch out, to experience your loving Father in a rich much richer than ever before, much deeper, much more personal. Your father, your daddy. And the good news is that you don't have to do this alone. You remember that other story in Luke's gospel where the prodigal comes back. And what does the father do? The moment that the prodigal decides to return. Father runs. One step from you, and he'll run the 99. Every one of us here can enter the deep, deep waters of his presence, the deep of his word, the deep of his worship, his spirit, his heart. Every single one of us. It's not the case Like some people believe that's for kind of other Christians. That's for the kind of, you know, the guys who are somehow elevated to this position of a deep and meaningful relationship. If you've ever thought that, I believe that's a lie being whispered into you to prevent you from moving into all that God has for you. Matthew 6 says this. It says, when you pray... You shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward, but you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you've shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So here, we see clearly that God encourages us to have that private prayer place where no one can know what we're praying except God. It's like the below the waters part of the iceberg, isn't it? This place of personal prayer should actually be the largest part of what we have going on in the area of our prayer. So on the one hand... Personal, intimate prayer is hugely important. But so is praying as a corporate body. So is gathering together as a group, as we do. And as a church, we we are the church. We we are a live Grantham. It's nothing to do with this structure. We just happen to be here. If this building wasn't here, we would still be a live Grantham. Coming together to pray is hugely important. We get together here in our building every month for Revive Evenings. Where those who have decided that they want, to, they want more of Father's wonderful embrace, they come. You can come. Everyone is invited. 
it's usually quite a small meeting. You will come, you would be amongst friends who will model and show you the simple steps to go into those deeper places that I spoke of. The places where blessings flow and miracles are expected. That's true. So I've got a question for you. Why would you not want to do that? Why would you not do that? Sometimes when I'm kind of thinking of a decision, should I, shouldn't I? I think, why wouldn't I? It's often easier to ask yourself that question than why would I? Why would you not come here to a prayer meeting with your friends and have the most amazing time of intimate prayer with your father? What would you rather do? So if you could come and help me, Jared, or whoever's coming on the worship team. I'd like to end this by encouraging you to just think about where you are in relation to God when it comes to your prayer life. As I said, I've, I've done a lot of this myself this week. I'd like you to think about how am I doing? How persistent am I? Am I navigating change? Did something change? And I think there are some groups of people in the room. Maybe you've never prayed much. That's okay. You can start. Maybe you did. Maybe you prayed a lot once. But something happened. That you went to God with this one prayer. God, if you just do this for me. And for some reason, nothing happened. I believe there are people in the room who are saying, yeah, that's me. I believe Father God would say, no, you don't, you don't know. You don't know why my response was silence or maybe no. You don't know. But what you can know is that you can come to me. You can come to me with prayer, with petition, despite what you don't know. And that's the key. We can't know the mystery of unanswered prayer. I would never be so glib as to just say we just need to get over it. But it is kind of like that. You might have prayed for someone who's sick and they didn't make it. I wish I could stand here and explain why that happened. I can't. Maybe you've prayed about your finances and 
Nothing happened. You prayed about a relationship and nothing happened. But I know that Father would say, but I love you. I heard your prayer and I want to keep hearing your prayers. Don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. Maybe you just don't know how to pray. Maybe you want to and you think, I just don't know. I've had times in my own life where I've not known what to pray, what to say. I've been blessed with people around me who've helped me through. I just encouraged me just to come. So if that's you, that you once prayed, but something happened.